Hello, film friends. It's Friday, which can only mean one thing. Family Matters is on tonight. Did I do that? I'm Jordan, the fourth friend that fights about film here on Four Friends Fight About Film. Welcome to this new mini-episode bonus series of Four Friends Fight About Film Recommendations, or whatever it's called, where each of the friends, plus a very special guest, recommend a movie for your weekend or your next week or your right here, right now. Right here, right now. This week's guest is our fabulous friend... Hi, I'm Rachel Sweeney. We decided to let Rachel pick a theme for our recommendation this week, and she went straight... For the jugular. The theme I've chosen is off-brand. So I'm making everyone pick a movie that their friends and family and followers or whoever uh, would be surprised to learn is one of their faves. And here's our first recommendation. Who's it gonna be? Hello, friends. This is Kyle KT Gibb Gibby Gibson. And this week I'm gonna go off-brand and pick something that is not jolly, which I heard the guys in this week's episode earlier tell me that I like jolly films. So I'm going to pick the 2004 horror film saw the first in that big franchise side note because i have time and to really annoy lance i saw this with him at the discover mills amc 18 i also saw it with my wife crystal who at the time was my girlfriend anyway it's a pretty good flick directed by james wan written by lee wanell this past weekend's the invisible man big hit i just remember coming out of that thinking it's a well-made well-crafted thriller but i have not seen it again and i haven't watched any other ones but i recommend it if you hadn't seen it just the first one My off-brand pick is one that I randomly stumbled upon while flipping channels in a hotel room sometime last year. It grabbed me right away and didn't let go until the credits rolled. I'm thinking by now y'all know that I don't care a whole lot for comedies, and despite my incidental magnetism towards movies involving scandalous acts, I don't have much love for raunchy, seemingly lowbrow funny stuff. But gosh darn it, this movie had me literally LOLing in my hotel room all by my lonesome. But I did have to take a long look at myself in the mirror afterwards and ask myself just who the hell I was. And it turns out that it's just me loving a movie I never would have expected to love. My recommendation this week is 2017's Girls Trip, starring Regina Hall, Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, and a hilarious Tiffany Haddish on an unforgettable road trip to New Orleans. Perhaps where it connected with me was in its, like, utter insanity. Elements of the plot may have been predictable, but the content of this film is anything but. I found it downright shocking, and I loved it. I recommend emptying your bladder, though, before hitting play, lest you be on yourself from laughing too hard. Girls Trip is streaming now on FX Now and rentable from the usual spots. And now for a quick sponsor break, we'll be back before you know it with Rachel Sweeney. And we're back. Rachel Sweeney is an awesome friend that we met while at the Almighty Oxford Film Festival in Mississippi last year. She's a writer, actor, director, and stand-up comedian in L.A. via Philadelphia. And she'll tell you more about this, but the pilot that she wrote, directed, and stars in is one of the smartest, most entertaining, most marvelous things I've ever seen at a film festival. Dead Girls is an anthology series about a diverse group of women hustling for happiness, all connected by the same insane experience, playing a dead body. I star in the pilot where I play a dead body and the experience sends me spiraling into a kind of madness. 
you can go to deadgirlfilm.com to watch it and feel free to tweet me with whatever you think of it only if it's good my twitter handle is sweenpup s-w-e-e-n-e-p-u-p rachel's recommendation this week is so impassioned and charming and wonderful that we're including every bit of it it's long and it's absolutely worth it i think a lot of people who've watched my work think of me as a sort of comedy female super feminist super progressive pretty irreverent with a dry sense of humor and that's not wrong but i have other sides to me that are just as true and important as any other side one of those other sides loves the widely panned western sci-fi borderline white savior epic John Carter. You are John Carter of Earth? Yes, ma'am. Directed by Andrew Stanton of Pixar Royalty, John Carter is technically a Disney film and is based on the 1912 novel Princess of Mars by Edgar Rice Burroughs, author of Tarzan. John Carter is very cheesy. It is ridiculous that you have to keep track of names like Jeddak Tars Tarkas and Sab of Zidanga. The action sequences are insane. Like it's one of those movies where you almost feel like you're watching someone else play a video game. But I used to like watching my brother play Zelda, so maybe that's part of it. Every time I've told someone I like this movie, unless they're my fiance or my dad who also love it and also have a weak spot for sentimental sci-fi, they've been like, wait, John Carter? The Mars movie? You liked that? I just wouldn't think you would like that. And I think they're trying to give me a compliment. Like they think it's beneath me and my sophisticated moviegoerness. And I'm like, no, I am not sophisticated. I am a human ruled by emotion and the need for adrenaline. And I love this cheesy bonkers movie. So Edgar Rice Burroughs is a character in the movie. So the original author of the novel that it's based on is a character in the movie. Very cool. Basically, ERB, he's a young boy. He's played by the redheaded boy from Spy Kids, also a great movie. He has this eccentric uncle who has just died, and he's following these weird instructions left by his dead uncle to put his body in a tomb that can only be unlocked from the inside. So little ERB starts reading his uncle's journals and then we flash back to the Civil War and it's like classic Western. ERB's uncle is John Carter and he's played by Taylor Kitsch and he is a former Confederate officer and he's trying to escape from Union Colonel Powell played by an enthusiastically villainous and committed Brian Cranston. Like you can just tell he's having fun and I love it. So Brian Cranston wants John Carter's help fighting some Native Americans but it doesn't go well and they go hide in this cave but there is this creepy blue alien guy called a thern there and john carter accidentally kills him and then he checks out this medallion thing that the alien's wearing and then he is transported to mars but mars is actually called barsoom and he is captured by the tharks and i love any movie where the actors can have lines like we must stop sabthon jeddak of zadanga from capturing helium and capturing all of barsoom and just say those things with total committed eagerness i'm just immediately in like yeah you can take any crazy combination of letters, make it somebody's name. As long as you're committed, I'm there. Like, yes, Jeddak, Tars, Tarkas, I'm with you. We got to beat Zadanga. Let's go. I'm in it. And please keep in mind that on Barsoom, there is lower gravity. And because John Carter's bone density is different, I don't know exactly how it works, but he can jump thousands of feet high and just leap around and cross deserts in like an hour. And when he punches people, it's like they were hit by a truck. It's ridiculous. Like he will jump up to a flying ship and then pull it down. And I think because it makes battles go quickly, I like it. Like they're insane and fun and good action sequences. 
but I even with good action sequences, I can get bored sometimes. Like I'll fall asleep in a movie theater if the action sequence goes on too long. In a theater, I will fall asleep. My brain just shuts off. But there's something about John Carter just leaping around and it's just so bonkers and it's so enjoyable. So the princess of helium, Deja, who is a scientist and inventor trying to figure out how to harness this special energy for the good of Barsoom, she has to marry evil Saab to stop the war between their two cities. But she knows he sucks, so she escapes and that's how she meets John Carter. So now John, the princess, Deja, and Sola, who is the Thark Jeddak's outcast daughter, go on this quest to figure out how to use this infinite energy called the Ninth Ray. What they don't know is that Matai Shang, the leader of the Therns, has already given the ability to harness the energy as a gift to Sabthan to use as a weapon. So they get captured again, although Sola escapes, and Deja is like, fine, I will marry this evil guy. She tells John to go back to Earth. She just wants the war to be over. Carter is like, oh, no, absolutely not. And that's when we find out the Therns, the evil blue dudes, are controlling everything. They are literally puppet masters of the universe. The implication is that they are controlling everything and creating wars. John Carter and Sola eventually unite the Tharks with the people of Helium and they battle Sabthan. So after John Carter jumps up a thousand feet, pulls down Sabthan's ship, all that good stuff, Helium wins. John Carter decides to stay and marry Deja. Matai Shang, blue puppet master, sends Carter back to Earth with no way to come back to Barsoom. Carter is back in his old-timey clothes, no longer like this shirtless Mars warrior, and he vows to find the Therns, prove their existence on Earth, and somehow get back to Deja. And he does. So we jump ahead. Edgar Rice Burroughs, nephew of John Carter, redheaded spy kid's kid, has just gotten to the end of John Carter's journal and learned that John Carter has faked his own death. And he had to because the Therns are after them because he successfully proved their existence on Earth. But his body is in a coma state on Earth and he needs his nephew to protect his body while he returns to Mars. So ERB runs to John Carter's tomb, opens it, and it's empty. But then the evil Thern comes up and then Carter appears out of nowhere and kills the Thern. And he takes the Thern's medallion and right before ERB's eyes, he transports himself to Barsoom to be with Deja. So obviously I find the movie super fun, but it's also really deep. The war between Barsoom and Helium is an analogy for the Civil War, and the Therns controlling that, making it happen, is an analogy for war in general being this pointless chaos orchestrated by powerful beings that don't have our best interests in mind. Also, the Tharks and the Martians of Helium have this indoctrinated fear of each other, and that fear and indoctrination is only possible because they're separated. But once they start interacting, they realize they have a common cause and similar values. It's the argument and hope that unity is inevitable once people are exposed to each other. John Carter starts the movie fighting Apaches and ends the movie having witnessed the unification of the Martians on Barsoom. And I will acknowledge the flaws. There's definitely some white savior vibes sometimes. There's definitely a very classic tortured dude gets the virtuous princess vibe. And those are definitely the things that I think make it off-brand as a favorite of mine. Why people tend to say, you liked John Carter. But I just think it's so fun. There's this super fast dog creature that has these creepy teeth and it imprints onto John Carter and zooms from place to place like the Flash. And at the center of it is this epic love story where they are literally worlds apart. 
I love the eagerness and sincerity of this movie, the commitment to just creating this world and giving us so much information about it with no shame or no fear of being weird. I'm so on board for that. Like our world is weird. There are weird rules and weird names and complicated conflicts and a great sci-fi or fantasy movie doesn't shy away from that. Like yeah, there's an infinite energy source called the Ninth Ray and the Therns are harnessing it to puppet master all of the beings in the multiverse and as long as you tell me all of that and you make it clear and you have a shirtless, rugged, deadwood kind of guy falling in love with basically Bikini Leia with an engineering degree, like yeah, take me to Barsoom. Like fantasy and sci-fi are the genres in which you can have sappy epic love stories. Blow them out to the extreme level of drama. It's so entertaining. Sincerely, not ironically, just pure human emotion in a superbly heightened situation that we all want to be in. John Carter is just nonstop that. Hey guys, Hudson here. So I'm generally known as the overly sentimental, optimistic, kind of happy-go-lucky, fun, fantasy, escape-from-reality guy. So if I'm going to choose a movie that's against type, um, I think I'm going to have to go with the very dark murder, mystery, crime, thriller, Zodiac from 2007. The David Fincher film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Mark Ruffalo and Robert Downey Jr. So this is a movie that has some very dark elements to it. Obviously, it's following the Zodiac Killer. This is in uh, 1960s uh, San Francisco. It kind of takes us through a long period of time. Um, but there's something about this movie that I absolutely love. And I'm a big David Fincher fan, which really goes against type for me because he's generally thought of as kind of a darker director. But there's something about him that his movies are a little heightened. They're a little, um, there's a little bit of whimsy there. He takes his subjects really seriously but there's always this kind of smirk behind it all and I'm not sure what how to put my thumb on that but I just found this film to be completely delightful despite all the really dark murder scenes in it I am not a crime guy whatsoever but I do enjoy the kind of Hall plays a cartoonist turned uh, reporter in this film who's trying to get to the bottom of Zodiac killings and there's something about that journey of the of, of a reporter trying to uncover all these facts and this this film is surprisingly um, based in reality. They actually interviewed some Zodiac survivors. They interviewed the cops involved that the, the actors are playing. Did really kind of deep dives, read every single police report, and this is extremely factual film. Um, but I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's unfortunately kind of flown under the radar, um, but it's a wonderful, wonderful film. So whether you normally like this kind of crime stuff, then you'll eat it up. If you don't normally like this crime stuff, I would still kind of give it a shot, and maybe you'll like it as much as I did. Hi, everybody. This is Lance again. I was told that the assignment was to pick something off-branded, but I'm not sure what that means. So I guess this movie is off-brand, and I'm going to pick the wonderful 2001 romantic drama Sweet November. I know I picked it last week, but I just have to reiterate how fantastic this movie is. It put Keanu Reeves in a whole new light, and it gave me a new poster to hang in my bedroom above the bed. So yeah, Sweet November. You can rent it from any of the usual spots, and uh, now it's time for me to get back on brand and go watch Powell and Pressburger film, because you can't really talk about film without talking about Powell and Pressburger. Later, bud. Okay, that's it for this week. We hope you have an awesome weekend and that you end up watching a movie that perhaps strikes you in an unexpected way. Challenge yourself to something that you wouldn't normally gravitate towards, and maybe you'll even have a transcendent cinematic experience. Gibby, did you have one more thing you wanted to say? Thanks so much for listening and loving our podcast. We appreciate you listening to us. We just want to let you know how important 
reviews and ratings are on iTunes. So if you get a minute to go in there and review us, that would be awesome. And Lance will give you a hug. Happy Friday, y'all.